Let's pray and then we'll get into the word of God. Father God, we come before you and we just thank you for this opportunity and the privilege we have to hear from you. Father God, we don't take this for granted. We're thankful that we get to come together to meet, to worship together, to hear from you, to hear your word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father God, for the freedom that we enjoy to be able to do this, Father. Lord, we ask you, for revelation knowledge today. We ask you to open our eyes, open our ears. Holy Spirit, give revelation knowledge. Let the uh, flow freely in this place today. We ask that it will be easy to get out everything that you want said and everything that you want done. We ask you that there will be eyes that are open and ears that are receptive and hearts receptive and ears that are open to hear from you. We ask that the things that you would say to us that we have never seen before, we ask that you show it, show it to us, show it, show us how to apply it to our lives in the name of Jesus. And the things that we have seen, we ask that you make it more real to us than it ever has been. In the name of Jesus, make it more clear, make it more real to us, remind us of it in the name of Jesus. And I ask for your anointing to be upon me, to be upon this service in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, I'm going to have you turn to two places. Go to Hebrews 6 and Romans chapter 12, Hebrews 6. We are continuing our series. Do you guys remember what the name of it's? called it's the key to hope fulfilled the key to hope fulfilled hebrews chapter six i'm excited about this like i said last time i'm excited about this the more i feed on this um the more excited i get because i see that the lord is preparing us and the lord you know when the lord is talking to you about something and he wants you to focus on something it's because he needs you to get something in you. He needs you to get it before he can get you on to the next thing. And because with God, he always wants us to increase. He always wants us to come up. He always wants us to move forward. He's not a God that wants us to move backwards in life. He wants us to move forward. He wants, he has greater things for us. He wants to work in us more. He wants us to accomplish more for him. And so in order for him to do that, he has to first get something in you. He has to first teach you uh, about something and you have to grow in that area so that you can go further. And I'm seeing that about uh, this series that we're on, I'm, and I'm getting excited about it because, like I said, that means something is next, that we need to understand what this means, what diligence means, and, and how we are to be diligent, and how we're to apply it to our lives, and uh, we're going to see results from it. But Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, verse 11, actually, you know what, let's back up and go to verse 10, because this, this all goes with what we're talking about. It says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence of the full assur to the full assurance of hope until the end that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So again, we're talking about diligence. And then you see what we just read there in verse 10, 
It's talking about work and labor. Labor is work, right? And in that, in our because he's saying your labor of love. How I many you know when you are doing something for the kingdom of God, when you are working for God, that is a labor of love. That is a work of love, but it's still work, right? And he's saying that we need to be diligent. We need to be diligent. So we're talking about diligence and diligence is the key to having our hope fulfilled, the key to hope being fulfilled, the key to what you're believing for, the things that God has said belong to us being fulfilled, coming to pass, being realized, right? That is the key. It's diligence, you know? And one thing I'm seeing is that, and we talked about this a little bit before, but there have been a lot of people that were excited about the faith message. You know, they heard that God wants to provide all your needs, that God wants to bless you. He wants to take care of you. He wants all your needs met. He wants you to be a bigger blessing to people, a bigger blessing to the kingdom of God. And people got excited about that. And so they thought that all it was to faith was just saying, I have faith and laying around and making confessions. And so when things did not happen for them, when they didn't get the results that they wanted to, they're like, ah, this faith message, this don't work. I've been making confessions. I've been believing God and nothing is happening. Well, it's not just about laying around and making confessions. There's other things that have to be done. There's diligence that is a part of this. There's getting after it. There's working. There's putting your hand to something. That's all a part of walking by faith. Okay. It's not, you can't separate the principles of God and just focus on one and think you're going to get the results that you want and get the results that you're supposed to have. All of these things work together. All the principles of God work together, right? You just can't, you just can't even work hard and be diligent and not have any wisdom in it. (laughs) You see, there's everything goes together. I mean, you can't just, you know, you see a task ahead. Let's say we're going to cut down a tree and I don't even think and plan how to do it. I don't even think, what should I do first? Where should I start first? I just go out there, take an ax and start swinging, swinging hard, swinging hard, swinging hard, swinging hard. And I have not planned. I'm out there. I, I, have not, I don't have the proper equipment. I haven't planned where this tree is going to go. See, there needs to be wisdom. You don't just go out there and work hard. There's wisdom. You, you can't separate all the things of God, all the principles of God, all the wisdom of God. It's all important. It's all vital. You know, but you see that, that some people think that faith is just laying around making confession. And then there's some people, they've heard the faith message and they got excited about it. But then they also heard, wait a minute, I got to work too and be diligent as well. <laughs> nah, nah, I don't like that. So they, they look for, they look for a church that tells them, Hey, you don't got to do nothing. Jesus did it all for you. And all you got to do is lay back and just relax and do nothing. No, that's not right either. You know, and there's a lot of that going on where people and churches are teaching that Jesus did everything for you. Well, he did pay the price, but you still have to receive it. You still have to obtain it. There's things you still have to do. The Bible says faith without works is dead. James says that. Read the book of James. It talks about that. So it's not just Jesus did everything and let me, you know, I don't have to do nothing. We're just supposed to relax and sit back, kick our feet up and just receive all the blessings of God without doing anything at all. That's not true. That's not true. We do have to receive, but there are things that we have to do 
faith without works again is dead and people like that type of message they like that they don't have to do nothing they like a religion that says you have no responsibility and there's no cost to you that's not the gospel that's not christianity Amen? amen but you know and because of that the you know, the nature of the flesh is selfishness. And we talked about that or, or laziness and selfishness, but the nature of the flesh is lazy. Your flesh, my flesh, it's lazy. And if we allowed it to, what will it do? It would, it would just sleep all day, eat all day, uh, watch TV all day, entertain ourselves all day. That is the nature of the flesh. That's what it wants to do. I mean, you, <laughs> I don't know if you're finding out, but as we study this, you can see that uh, you, you can identify it more that the flesh would be like, no, just stay in the bed a little bit longer. And you have to say, nope, it's time to get up and be diligent. It's time to get after it, right? You know, the flesh doesn't want to exert any energy. The, exert, the, the, the flesh doesn't want to give any effort it doesn't want to exercise. It doesn't want to give any effort towards, you know, this is not just uh, physical. This is mental, spiritual. The flesh just wants to just stay in a lazy state, in a state of just, eh, blah, I don't want to do anything. That's the nature of the flesh. And in every area of our lives, we have to be diligent. Spiritually, physically, relationally, every area there's some diligence that we need to do. Now, we all have areas that we need to be diligent in, right? We all have areas, you know, I don't, it could be physical, it could be spiritual, and we're not judging and pinpointing or finger pointing, you know, what each and every one of us need to be doing. We just need to look at ourselves, examine ourselves and say, I need to get diligent in this area, okay? Now, when we're talking about diligent, we're not talking about extreme efforts, um, that you know you you just work yourself silly till you have no more strength until your body breaks down we're not talking about that okay there is wisdom still you do have to get after it you do have to put energy into it and a lot of energy but there is a time also where it's time to say, okay, today is a time to rest my mind. Today is a time to rest my body, okay? So you have to, we have to know that balance. We have to understand that balance and get that balance. But we've been talking about this and we've been talking about the difference between diligence and what is the opposite of diligence? We just read it. L lazy, laziness, right? Laziness. So we don't want to be lazy, right? Which, which we want to be diligent. We talked about that last week, the lazy man. <laughs> the lazy man, he makes excuses and he, he has a reason why he's lazy and in his mind he's justified why he's lazy, right? We don't want to be that. We don't want to be making excuses. We want to say, hey, there's a lion out there. I can't go to work today and, and uh, you know, always have an excuse for why you are not diligent. So let's define diligence again as we continue Diligence means to, to do something wholly, completely. Now, when we say wholly, it's not H-O-L-L-Y or H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y. Wholly, completely, speedily. You guys remember that? Speedily. That means you do it with some haste. You're not lollygagging around, you know, dragging your feet. You're giving it your all. Early is one of the words. Um, actually, one... one uh, one of the words is to dawn, to dawn. What does that mean? Is the, 
you know, if up early, you know, and if you have to, you're af- you're up, you're doing it as long as it needs to. But with care, watchfulness, uh, and uh, passionate zeal, you know, pa- and I think when I look at this, I think that you can sum up what diligence is or how you need to apply it with passion, with zeal, with that word passion and with zeal earnestly, you know, because when you're passionate about something, it's going to come out. You're going to want to be there early. You're going to want to give it all you got. You're going to want to, you know, do it with speed and to do it with care, right? When you're passionate about something, when you love and when you care about something, it's going to show. You can, if you're passionate about something on the inside, it's going to show up on the outside. You can't be passionate about something and people don't know about it. If you're passionate about it, people are going to know. People are going to say, man, that guy, he loves, you know, baseball, man. Oh, he, he sleeps and eats and breathes baseball. That's all he talks about. Man, if there's a baseball game, he's there early. You know, he's not, you're not showing up late to something you love, right? You're not showing up late to something you really are passionate about. You're there. You're on time and you're giving it your all, man. You're, you're all in. You know, people are like that about movies, about sports. Well, we're supposed to be like that about the things of God. We're supposed to be about that, like that with the things of God. Romans 12, you're there, Romans 12. We read this again before, but let's read it again. It says, Romans 12, verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Serving the Lord, not lagging. Uh, The Amplified Classic says, never lag in zeal and an earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. You know, we shouldn't lose our passion for the things of God. We shouldn't, just because we've been saved for a long time, just because we've been walking with the Lord, we shouldn't lose our passion for the things of God. We should still be on fire. We should still be hot for the things of God. We should still be hungry for the things of God. And really, we should be more hungry and more passionate than we were when we got saved. Because as we learn and we grow and we find out more about God and we see more of his faithfulness, that should cause us to be more passionate about the things of God. You know, if we're not passionate about the things of God, it's because we're not spending time with him. We're not learning and growing. We're not learning about him. Because when you learn more about him and when you grow spiritually, you are more excited about him. You are more passionate because you realize another layer of God. You know what I mean? Like when you get to know a person, a physical person, I mean, (laughs) you know, a friend or something, and the more you talk to them, the more you get to know them, the more time you want to spend with them, right? You're like, man, let's hang out. Let's go do this because they got the same interests as you and you get to know them a little more. And like, man, do you like that too? Yeah. And, they, and you connect more. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be with God. The more we spend time with him, if we find out about him, we're passionate. We're hungry, you know, and when you're passionate and you're hungry, it's going to show up. And really, you know, with God, he doesn't, with him, anything less than 100% is not acceptable to him. Did you know that? Anything that's not 100% with God, not giving it, giving it your all, that's not acceptable to the Lord. 
He said this when there was a teacher of the law that asked him, you know, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus, Jesus said that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You guys see that? All, 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 all. That sounds like 100%, right? That's not, you know, only giving it 20% or 50%. That's all your strength, all your heart. That's 100%. You're in it completely, not half-heartedly. And some people say, well, that's the Old Testament. He was talking about Old Testament. No, that still applies today. You don't love God less in the New Testament. Jesus would have said that was the Old Testament, but today you can love me a little bit less. You can love God a little bit less than you did in the Old Testament because I came and did it all for you and I loved God for you. And because I love God for you, you don't have to do anything. See, that's how some people think Christianity is. They have this goofy idea that because Jesus paid it all and he did all this for us, that means we can love God less and that we don't have to give him all. I mean, I've heard people actually say that that is Old Testament. And today you can't love God with all your strength and with all your heart. So that means I don't think they realize what they're saying. So that means that we're supposed to love God less. We don't give him our all. We just give him a half. We just give him a little bit. That makes that's not even right. I mean, Jesus there are things that Jesus did that were our substitute and things that he did as our example. He did not love God and love us as a substitute. He did that as our example. Now, part of it was a substitute of him dying for our sins, but in his love that he demonstrated, that is what, how we are supposed to love. That means give it your all. He was all in. Jesus was all in, wasn't he? He didn't give a half-hearted effort. He went all in for us. He was all in for, one, for all of us. He gave 100% and he didn't hold back anything, right? Actually, Jesus said that if you're going to be my disciple, then you have to forsake all that you have to be his disciple. You have to forsake all to be the disciple of Jesus. It's not just a little, it's all in or nothing. Jesus wants us all in. We're supposed to be 100% for the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be 100% in for the Lord. I mean, just think about what if Jesus held back from us? What if he held back from us? What if he said, you know what? Man, I just got beaten 39 times. I mean, man, this, this is a lot. And he gets up on the cross and he, they start nailing him to the cross. And he said, yeah, yeah, man, this, this is too much. This is too much. And he, he called the angels to come down and deliver him. Well, if he didn't give 100%, you and I would be on our way to hell. We would be lost eternally, forever in damnation. So thank God. Thank you, Lord, that you gave us your all. Thank you. Thank you. Father. Thank you, Jesus. You gave us your all. He gave us his all. So we should not want to hold back anything from him right? We should be passionate. We should be hungry. We should be zealous today, more so than we were last year, more so than we were last month. We should be after. We should be on it. That's the way the Lord wants us to, believe, wants us to be. And he said, Jesus said in Revelation to the church at Laodicea, 
and you can't get any more New Testament than Revelation. He said, I would rather you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Wow. That's what Jesus said. He said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth in Revelation 3.16. Look it up. Now, think about that. That's interesting because for us, we might be willing to put up with somebody who was little, a lukewarm. We might say, hey, man, little help is better than nothing, <laughs> right? You, a little bit of your heart is better than nothing. But the Lord doesn't look at that, at that way. Because what is lukewarm? Lukewarm is halfway, halfway in, halfway out, right? Lukewarm is half hot and half cold. And the Lord says, no, you're either in or you're out. I would rather you be cold than for you to be lukewarm because lukewarm is basically giving him a little bit of your heart, but not all of it. It's giving him a percentage of your life, but not all of it. Do you see that? It's giving him a little bit and you're almost toying with the Lord. You're playing games and the Lord does not appreciate that. And he said, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Think about that. Would you want somebody being lukewarm with you in a relationship? Would you want somebody just halfway there, halfway loving you, just giving you a portion of their heart, a portion of their life? And, you're, and would you want someone just playing games with your heart? No. Well, Jesus doesn't either. He doesn't want people half in and toying with him. No, that's why he said, you know, because I used to read that thing like, man, it seemed like the Lord would want people to at least be, even if they're um, not hot, he would rather them be lukewarm, wouldn't he, than just cold? Not with the Lord. Not with the Lord. That, that, he would rather just, hey, just get out. If you're not going to be all in, then, I, then get out. <laughs> either be hot or cold, but we're going to be hot for the Lord. Amen. You know, I was talking to a, a minister recently about this is that, you know, we would just read about that, about being fervent, not lacking, not lagging in zeal, fervent, a glow. When, you know, people are looking for the real people that are not saved, they are looking for authentic, genuine. They're looking for something genuine and authentic. They're looking for something real. And when we are aglow and when we are passionate for the Lord and when we are in fire for God and we are heart hot for the Lord, people are going to see that. People are going to notice that and they're going to want and they will want that when they see that it's real, when they see that it is different because they are already experiencing things out here that are, you know, cruel, uh, uh, just a, a world that's full of hatred and division and strife. And when they see something that is different, when they see a group of people, someone, a group of someones that are loving God, loving each other with all their heart, they're after God, they're willing to do whatever it takes to do what God wants them to do. They're willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done, to preach the gospel, and they're on fire for it. They're zealous for it. They're hungry for it. When people see that, they're going to want that. Because people want to see something different. That's why people are, that's why we have a, a short attention span culture. Uh, you know, people can scroll on social media and if something doesn't pop out to them and jump out to them that is like vastly different, they're on to the next thing. They're like, next, next, next. And when people see something different that's real, there's a spirit about it, there's something glowing about them, they're going to want that. 
People want, they don't, you know, too much of the church has tried to be just like the world, tried to be just like the culture. And because of that, people that are not saved, people that are not born again, they're like, why do I want that? We already have that. What's the difference? But when they see something that's real and genuine, people will start coming to see that. People will start coming to find out what that is about when it's real to us, when we're passionate, when we're hungry about the things of God. Amen. Yeah. Where were we in uh, um, Romans 12? Go with me to 1 Thessalonians 2. 1 Thessalonians 2. Let's get into what we are supposed to be doing. What is our job and how do we apply this diligence? First Thessalonians, which is before Timothy, in case you're wondering, and or that's actually before Second Thessalonians, which is before Tim, First Timothy. But First Thessalonians chapter two. Now let me just give you a quick background. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he's reminding them of the time that him and some of the other ministers were there and how they minister to them and they didn't require anything from them and they ministered to them with no agenda, no hidden motives, but they were there to love them and to be a help to them, to be fathers to them and to treat them as their own children. Okay, and they weren't there to, to be greedy for financial reasons or anything like that. And so he's explaining this to them. He's reminding them of this. And then in verse 9, I'm reading from the King James Version. He says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Do notice that because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. See, when you love the Lord and you are diligent and you're passionate about the things of God, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. You're willing to do whatever it takes to preach the gospel, to do the work God has called you to do. You're, do, you're willing to do whatever it takes. You know, some Christians would not do this today where he says we were not chargeable to any of you. That means that he didn't want to be a burden. Some of your translations might say that, that actually, I think the NIV, I have it here. He says, surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden. And he's talking about financial burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You know, like I said, some Christians, though, man, unless they know they're going to get paid to do something, they won't do it. Unless they know that there's some type of financial gain for them, they're not going to serve. They're not going to do it. Unless they know, well, if I do this, will I get, you know, be promoted to this in a certain amount of time? Will I, you know, be recognized? Will I get paid to do this? Well, they won't do anything for the Lord unless they know that there's something in it for themselves. Now, that's not the way we're supposed to be. And that, that, unfortunately, that is that, there is that culture in the church that says that 
hey, what's in it for me? If there's nothing in it for me, why would I want to do this? I'm not going to play the keys. I'm not going to sing unless I'm getting paid to do that. Well, then you don't qualify. Then you are not as diligent and zealous as you think you are for the Lord. And you're not on fire for the Lord. You are, you are concerned about what's in it for you. Now, Paul himself said it. You can read it in 1 Corinthians 9 and uh, other places where Paul said we had a right, talking to the Corinthians church, we had a right to receive financial support from you. It was their right to do it, but he didn't exercise that right all the time. He said, it's our right. And he said, and these other guys are getting paid. We should be able to get paid. We should be able to be, be provided for. We should have our food and clothing and all these things taken care of. And it was his right. And he said, actually, the Lord commanded that those who uh, live of the gospel, those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So that is right. But you ought to be willing to do it even if you don't get paid. You ought to be willing to do it just because you love the Lord and you want to get the job done. And that's the way God expects us to be. God expects us to, to have such a heart that we're willing to do what we have to do to spend our own money, to stay up late, to get up early, to do what we have to do to work hard to preach the gospel, to love the people he's called us to, to do whatever we're supposed to do for him. He expects, expects us to have that attitude right? Isn't that what that means? If you're going to be my disciple, you must be willing to what? Forsake it all. That means including what gain it could be for you. Now, we do know that there is gain, there is reward for going after the kingdom of God, for doing what God wants us to do. But that doesn't mean that you're going to see it all right away and in this lifetime, okay? There is diligence that takes place. There's things that we need to accomplish. There's things that we need to do. And when it comes to being diligent, diligent in what we need to ask ourselves, what are we being diligent in? Okay. Now, ministry, ministry is work. Actually, in Bible school, we learned that. We learn. I mean, it was drilled into us. Ministry is spelled W-O-R-K, work. That was drilled into us. See, people have romantic ideas of ministry. They think ministry means that people wait on you and serve you and give you things all the time. And people may bless you and be nice to you, but it's not, it's work. It is work involved. It is you are serving the Lord by serving his people. Now, people have wrong ideas about that too, and we'll get into that another time. But people have false ideas because they see you know, the celebrity preachers and they see these things and they think, oh, that's what I want. No, that's not what ministry is. Ministry, real ministry, actually that work ministry also means service. So all of us have a service to the Lord. All of us have a ministry. Um, in Ephesians, I'll just read it. You can jot it down if you want to. In Ephesians 4.11, it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So who's doing the work of the ministry? Who's doing the work of the ministry? The saints. 
You guys paying attention? It's the, the saints. He said he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. See, it's, he didn't just give it to the pastors, to the evangelists to do the work. He said to the saints, to the people of God to do the work of the ministry. Ministry is work, okay? Ministry is work, and every saint, every Christian, every child of God has a work that they're supposed to be accomplishing for the kingdom of God, okay? The, the NIV says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, for works of service. Go to Mark 13. I should have had you turn there. Mark 13. Are you his people? If you're his people, if you're a saint, that means you have work. That means you have a ministry. You know, everybody, every child of God, you are called to ministry. You are called to be a minister. That doesn't mean you're called to the fivefold ministry, but every one of us are called to ministry. Every one of us is called to do the work of the kingdom of God. It says in Mark 13, 34, it says, it is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work. Do you see that? Each is what we're talking about the kingdom of God. This is how the kingdom of God is. And to each is his work. Some translations may something, say something else, but each of us have our own work. Say, I have a work in the kingdom of God. Now, you may have a, a job that you work nine to five and you're working a regular job, but does that mean that that is your work for the kingdom? You know, all of us have a work to do. And now when I'm talking about this, I'm not talking about just behind the four walls of the church only. I'm not saying that our work is to only be behind the four walls of the church. But at the same time, though, the church is a family. And if you are part of a family, you should be a contributing member to the family. I mean, if you say, I'm part of uh, the Mott family, and you are at our home all the time, regularly, and you are eating our food, and you are nourishing yourself and feeding yourself, and you bring your kids, and your kids nourish themselves, and they feed themselves, and they are getting fed and never hungry, and they're taken care of, and you never help, you never clean up, you never contribute in any type of way, you never help out in any type of way, man, we say, man, that guy's a freeloader. He just comes and eats our food and it's like, I'm out of here, never does anything, right? Wouldn't you say that about somebody said, yeah, that's my family. Well, family contributes, right? Family does things. We, we help out. We wash the dishes or we maybe, you know, it's my turn to cook or something like that, right? There's contributing aspects of being a family. Well, the church is a family. The church is a family. And if you say, that's my church over there, I'm part of that church family, and you never contribute any type of way to the church, you never help out, you never do anything, you just come get fed and leave, no, you're not much a part of that church, are you? 
No, because to you, he's like, I am the church. No, you are not the church by yourself. That's like saying, I am the family. No, you are a member of the family. And if you are not a, uh, and if you are a member of the family and you never participate or contribute, well, you're not being much of a blessing and you're not being much of a help to the family, are you? No, if you are part of the family of God, you are part of a church, you should be a contributing member. You should be a contributing part of that church. But what I'm saying is that you can still do things outside of the church. You can still do your, your ministry, your work, whatever it is to advance the kingdom of God. You have a work to do. And we need to find out what that work is. All of us have a work to be done. And we need to find out what is that work. Amen. Amen. Now, we're supposed to be about our father's business. Right. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. And he was only 12 years old. What is that? That's kingdom business. We all have business. We all have work to be done. And that's to advance the church. That's to uh, advance the kingdom of God. All right. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, we, we, you know, there's different ways you can be a contributing member to your church. I'm not saying that everybody has to be sweeping the floors. But at the same time, hey, you ought to be willing to do whatever it takes to be a contributing member of that family. And nothing should be above you, or I should say nothing should be beneath you, right? Um, now, all of us are going to give an account for the things that we do for the kingdom of God. We read that last week. Man, time is flying. We read that last week in Matthew. You guys remember that about the parable of the talents, the parable of the, the, and the you know, the master gave three servants different amounts of gold. To one he gave five, one he gave two, another one. Now, Actually, I should say he didn't give it to him. He entrusted them with it. It was his. And God has given us a work to do something with his work. He's entrusting us to do something with that work. And we are going to be held accountable for what we did or did not do with what he gave us, with what he entrusted us with. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be judged as, you know, the, the great right throne, um, we are, we are saved because of what Jesus did, not because of anything we did, but we will be rewarded based on what we have done with what he gave us to do, with what he entrusted us to do. We will be rewarded and our positions and rewards, they're going to be based on what we did now with what he entrusted us with. There are some people that are going to be rulers over much, and in some, there'll be rulers over less. So what we do on earth right now is affecting our place in the kingdom of God. It just is. If pe people have a wrong idea that everybody's, you know, the same as far as, uh, you know, positions and rewards in heaven. No, that's not the way it's going to be. Why should somebody who did nothing, who didn't, you know, they just received Jesus as their Lord and they didn't help out. They didn't do anything. They didn't, you know, contribute at all. Get the same rewards as people who were hustling, working hard, going at it. You know, why should they get the same rewards? No, they're not going to. You know, that's one reason why a lot of people in church are overworked and are overburdened and do get tired because other people 
are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Other people, other Christians are not contributing to the family. Other Christians are not helping out and doing their ministry that they should be doing. You guys see that? And so because of that, you have people that are overworked and they're tired and they need a break. But they have to pick up the slack for their other brothers and sisters that are just laying around, lounging around and doing nothing, just coming late, leaving early and never help out at all. Well, that's not how we're going to be, right? We're, we're not going to be that way. We're, we're going to get reward. We want to be rewarded for what we do on this earth. We want to do our ministry. We want to find out our work. And when we find out our work, we want to get to it. We want to get after it. We want to be diligent. Amen? Amen. Now, there's another aspect of this. When you, when you find out your work, now your work can be as simple as, hey, pastor, what do you need help doing? You know, not uh, that's what Clarice and I did. Well, a lot of times our work was vacuuming, was sweeping, was, you know, mopping, was doing all different types of things. And we're still willing to do. I mean, I was just recently at another ministry help, you know, cutting their grass. So you, your work is whatever needs to be done a lot of times. Okay. Um, but once you find out your work, then you need to take responsibility for your work, okay? So that's one point. Point number one, find out your work. What is your ministry? You all have a ministry. And then take responsibility for your ministry. What do I mean by that? A lot of people, and all of us have been guilty of this, is when something doesn't get done, when something doesn't turn out the way they want it to, and, you know, things aren't as good as it could have been, they begin to blame people. They say, oh, man, they should have did this. They should have did that. You begin to blame other people. But really, it was your responsibility. You weren't diligent in what you were supposed to do. We weren't diligent and we weren't, you know, doing things with passion and with zeal and we weren't after it. And what happens, things don't get done right and people look for somebody to blame. I've done that. We've all done things like that. Maybe we haven't verbalized it, but inside, man, if these people would have just, well, we need to look at ourselves and say, wait a minute, if this is mine, I need to take responsibility of it. I need to take full responsibility of it and do it. You know, there's, and this happens, you'll see this where people, they like to question what other people are doing or not doing, what other churches are, are not doing, what other, what other ministries are not doing, instead of looking at what they should be doing. They're quick to point out, man, this ministry is not doing this and they should be doing that. That church is not doing this and they should be doing it and this needs to be done and they're not doing it. Well, if God has put something in your heart and you have a passion about something, then you should do it. You take the responsibility. Don't try to blame somebody else for something God has put in your heart to do. You take the responsibility. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that before, but people will do that. They're, they're quick to point out what other ministries are not doing or what they should be doing, but they're not doing it themselves. It's because they have a passion about it and they have a zeal about it and they want to see it done. Well, then you should get to it. Then you should do it. But a lot of them are too lazy and they don't have no faith. They're faithless to do, try to do it on their own. 
So they're not going to step out and do it. They're just going to pin, you know, finger point and blame other churches and ministries for not doing what they really are the ones that are supposed to be doing. They're the ones that are supposed to be doing it. You guys see what I'm saying? We have to take responsibility for what is in our heart, for what God has given us the ministry of doing. We don't need to wait for the church that says, hey, I see you are called to feed the homeless. Stand up. We will give you a seal of approval. Here's our piece of paper. You are the homeless feeder. No, that that you don't have to wait for anybody unless the you know to to approve what your ministry is. You you don't once you get out of church, you can go out there and witness to as many people as you want to. You don't got to wait for the church to organize it right? You don't got to wait for the, you can feed as many people as you want to. You don't have to wait for the church to collect an offering or to, you know, start a food shelter. You can do that yourself. Now, I'm not saying the church won't ever do anything or we won't ever do anything like that, but some people have things in their heart and they're waiting for others to do it when they need to be, just be getting to it themselves. You know, there's not going to be any rewards in heaven for finger pointing, and pointing out what other people should be doing. You guys know that? There's not going to be any rewards for having you with the greatest finger pointer and blamer of people. There's not going to be any rewards from that. But you see that so much today that people are like, he should be talking about this. He should be doing this and he should be doing that. Well, I just, you know what the Lord just showed me? Well, you just do. That's what I put in you. You do it. That's what you're supposed to do. Just because he's called me to do something or he's called you to do something, that doesn't mean everybody else is supposed to do that. And everybody else is supposed to talk about those things. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. There'll be no rewards for just pointing out all the errors of the church and all the errors of everybody else. No, let's get to what we're supposed to do, okay? And not judge anybody else. Let me read... Um, Galatians 6, 4, Galatians 6, 4 says, and I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. It says, pay careful attention to your own work. You guys hear that? Pay careful attention to your own work. You know, really, it is a full-time job being a Christian. I mean, when you think about it, um, it's a full-time job. You know, walking in love, walking by faith, being diligent, you know, spending time with the Lord. All these things that, you know, we want to do. We're not doing these things so God can love us more, but we want to please the Lord. And we want our we want to hear from God. And so we're endeavoring to walk in the spirit and not after the flesh. And, and that's a full time job. All these things are full time jobs because there, there is this flesh and there is this curse filled earth. And so are all these there are all these things coming for our attention, coming for our focus and trying to get us to conform to the world. And so we're constantly on guard, right? We're on guard. Nope. I got to, I got to reprioritize. Nope. I can't see that. I can't watch that. I got to put that down. I got to be diligent. I can't be lazy. I need to walk in love. They're irritating me right now. I need to walk in love and, and, and be kind to them and be, be my, myself included. All, you know, we all have to do this. I was just, I was telling Claudicia, uh, I think it was last week or maybe it was this past week, man, I got a little annoyed. I was at the store and there was a, I had a coupon that was $5 off and I actually forgot the coupon, but 
I had Claudia take a picture of the coupon, which has a barcode on it. And I showed that to the, actually, I asked one of the cashier people before I started shopping. This is a, you know, a supply store, tool supply store. I asked them, hey, can I use this? And they said, yeah. Well, I, I went to go check out and the one lady said, no, you can't use that. I was like, well, I was just told I can't. That irritated me. That, that kind of annoyed me. And I was like, can you call the manager? And I, I was rude. I know it was rude. And uh, we'll come to find out I was already used that coupon. <laughs> I didn't know that I already used that coupon because the expiration date was the, was the end of the month, you know, that we're in. So I thought, oh, you know, I can still use this. But for some reason, I already had used it and I don't know why I kept it or whatever. I think I used it on my phone instead of the paper coupon, the app, you know. But man, I left there. I was so convicted. I apologize. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I was so convicted though. And I'm just saying, we have a full-time job keeping up with ourselves, our love walk, the things that we need to do. That's the point of me bringing that up is that we all have that. We don't need to be worrying about what other people are not doing, right? And focusing on what they're not doing that they should be doing. What are we doing? What, what do we need to do, Right. You know, uh, so let me read that again. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. That's so true. When you do what you're supposed to do, when you're doing your task, your job, you do. You feel satisfied. You feel accomplished, right? You feel like, yes, I did it. I fixed that. I put that together myself. You know, you guys ever do something and you feel accomplished, you feel satisfied. You're like, man, I put in that real view camera all by myself. You know, I built this shelf all by myself. You know, you feel satisfied, you feel accomplished, right? When you do something like that. And you're, you, you, we don't need to be worrying about anybody else. Now, as I was thinking about this and studying and preparing for this, you remember Peter? He denied the Lord three times, right? And so three times after the Lord rose from the dead, he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And what did he say? If you love me, feed my sheep. All right. Then he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Feeder, uh, feeder. <laughs> Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. What is he saying? If you love me, feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. That's you this is your work, right? This is your work. And then the Lord, after he said that to Peter, he went on to explain to Peter some things about how he was going to die. And he said this to indicate to him the type of death he was going to die that would glorify the Lord. And then Peter, when he's saying this, the Lord is saying this to him, he goes, hey, what about John? What's going to happen to him? <laughs> the Lord said, if I want him to live forever until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words, that's none of your business. That's none of your concern. You do your job. You do your work. You go and feed my sheep. Don't be worrying about what your brother should be doing. You go and do what you're supposed to do. And that's the way it's supposed to be with us. We're supposed to not be comparing, not be looking at the other person saying, hey, wait a minute. I'm doing more than them. How come they're doing that? Or they're not doing this or they don't have to do that. No, we need to be just looking at what we're supposed to do 
and we're supposed to get to work doing what we're supposed to do. What is our ministry? What is our work? Amen. Now, the other side of this is the other air, I guess I could say. So we find out our work, we take responsibility, and then we need to be careful for the air of thinking because you take responsibility. That means that you don't try to get direction or vision from leadership because that's another thing that happens. And I've seen that before is that people want to take responsibility. There are people that want to take responsibility, but then they want all of it and they don't want anybody to tell them how to do anything. They're like, no, I know how to do it. Just let me do it. If you gave it to me, uh, let me do it. Well, to a point that is true. If you delegate something to somebody, okay, that means you are trusting them with that service, with that work. But then that would not be diligent for leaders if they just gave you something and don't oversee it, don't give you any vision, don't give you any leadership. See, there's a balance in this. Just because you take responsibility, that doesn't mean that leadership doesn't get to tell you how it's to be done and that they're not to give you the oversight and the vision of it. All right. You know, Jesus said this, if you are not faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? You know what that means to be faithful with another man's? That means if, if something belongs to another person, it's their ministry, it's their business, it's their church. That means it's their vision, not yours, right? That means they got direction from the Lord. They got insight from the Lord. So it's theirs, not yours. So you have to be faithful with what God told them. You know, when you're in ministry, serving the Lord, serving the kingdom, and you're under someone, you have to learn the Holy Spirit, how to hear from the Holy Spirit and be led as you're doing your task. But you also need to know, learn them, the person that you're under serving. And I know we had that in serving, you know, various ministries. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking specifically when we served under our elders, Pastor Jeff and Robin Pruitt. I served, you know, helping once they got to the door, you know, once they pulled up in the driveway, getting their stuff upstairs, their clothes or whatever, their suit jacket, getting, you know, things that we needed to do to get things ready so that he could be ready to pre preach the gospel so that he could be in a place where he's not thinking about that stuff. See, those are natural things, but they helped him prepare. If he had to think, oh, I got to get my clothes. Oh, I got to get my, you know, bag. I got to get this. I got to get that. If he had to think about all that stuff, well, that takes away from where he could just be focusing and, and, and uh, thinking about his message, thinking about what God wants him to do. Now, of course, everybody starts off somewhere, but if something helps, if something in the natural helps your person do something that you're serving, do something spiritually, then that's a good thing. You guys see that? That's a good thing. And so we had to learn, you know, I, I did ushering, I did different things. He wanted the temperature a certain way. And I remember, I remember an individual asked him, well, how cool do you want it in here? Well, it's his, it's not yours. 
And that's very disrespectful to question how he wants something. If that's the way he wants it, it's his to make that choice, not yours. If you want your own ministry, then start your own ministry and you can have it as hot as you want it in there. But, but that's disrespectful to say, well, how cool do you want it in here? Hey, it's his. It's not for you to say what he should, how he should do it. Now, that doesn't mean a leader can't take ideas or receive ideas. But the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, people always say that at the end of the day, they are accountable to the Lord that leader. They are, I'm accountable to the Lord. And I have to be diligent with the vision and the direction that God gave me. And I have to answer to the Lord. And I do take that seriously, that one day I'm, have to, I'm going to have to answer to God. And so, yes, we take responsibility, but then we have to be careful that we don't get to this place where hey, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Unless I do it the way I want to do it, I'm not doing it because that's how some people are. Remember, you are being faithful with another man's. That's all of us. There may be things that we have to do things. We're going to have to do, you know, I have to do things the way God wants me to do. I just can't make things up and say, God, I'm doing this way. I know you said do it this way, but I want to do it this way. No, we need to be faithful with what God has told us and the way God has told us. Some people say, yeah, I just think we should do it God's way. You know, well, okay. who gets to say what is God's way? You know, who gets to determine what is, you know, from God and what's not from God or who gets to say who's going to say today and who's going to say tomorrow? You know, should we just do uh, what's that? The the rhyming out game, you know, any, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger by his toe. If he hollers, let him go. Any, meeny, miny, mo. Okay, today you get to say which way God is doing it. No, there is one vision, right? And all of us come under that vision and we are faithful to do it that way. You guys see that? If you're not faithful with another man's business, another man's ministry, another man's vision, who's going to give you your own? Go to Colossians chapter four in closing. Colossians chapter four. Colossians chapter four. You know, these things are very specific. So I, I, you know, there's a certain way that some leaders, they want worship done this way. Well, if you're under their ministry, you can't be getting your feelings hurt and getting mad because they're telling you to do it this way. That's the way they want it done. It's theirs. They get to say that. And we shouldn't get our feelings hurt because we some you know body in leadership says, no, I don't want it done this way. I want it done that way. Or I don't want it done that way. I want it done this way. You know, leaders can make mistakes. They can. But you have to trust God and trust that your leader wants to do what's right and hear from God and make the right uh, thing and make the right decisions. And if it is right and it's from God and you submit it to the Lord, the Lord will put it on their heart and say, hey, do it this way. You know, try this. Okay. But you have to trust the Lord for that. Um, where I say to go, Colossians chapter four. We'll begin to close with this. It says, Verse 17, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. 
See to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. You know, once we know what our ministry is, once we know what our work is. Now, I'm talking to people who are we're doing a good job. You know, we're all doing something, you know, but there's going to be people. There's people listening to this. There's people going to come in the future and they're going to they're need they're going to need to feed on this. They're, need, they're going to need to understand this. Let me slow down. <laughs> they're going to need to understand this. Right. They're going to need to understand what diligence is and what faithful is, what faithfulness is. You know, a lot of the people, a lot of the apostles, and you, I'm thinking of Stephen, you know, Stephen in the, in the uh, New Testament, in the book of Acts, he was serving tables. And then he ended up preaching one of the greatest messages ever preached before he was the first martyr. But a lot of the people God uses are people that are just diligent with something else first. They were faithful with someone else's stuff. And then because of that, God was able to use them in other ways that other people won't, won't be used in because they're not willing to do it unless they're getting paid, unless they have to say so. Well, they just won't ever be used by God. Sure, they can promote themselves. And there's a lot of that going on right now. I mean, it's real easy uh, to just take marketing ideas and promote yourself. And I'm not saying er everything is wrong in that itself, but you can get to a place ahead of God where you're not supposed to be yet, where your character is not there yet, where you're not diligent yet, where there's some things that you still have to learn before you get to that place where God wants you to be. Because once you get up here and if you promote it yourself and you market it yourself and you got there because of self-promotion, you can fall real hard and you can mess up real bad and ruin your ministry, ruin families because you got yourself there and God knows I, you, you moved ahead of me. I'm trying to get you there, but just, just stay with me. Stay with me. But people get in a rush. People get in a haste to be known, to be seen. And that's not our goal. Our goal is not to be uh, known in the sense that, you know, it's about us. No, it's about the lives. It's about the people. It's about people's hearts being changed. It's about families being restored and, and people being blessed and people being healed and people being encouraged and people being strengthened. That is the vision. That is our mission. Okay. It's not about us. All right. Yeah, we do what we can to get the word out. I'm not saying that we don't do those things, but it, it's not it. All the glory needs to be going to the Lord when people get encouraged, when people get strengthened. We need to be thanking the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And pointing people to him, pointing people to Jesus. Yeah, he used us. Thank you, Lord. I'll get rewards for this. But hey, if we want to continue being used, we better give God all the glory. Right. But see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. So what does that mean? You got to be diligent. You got to get after it. Once you know what your ministry is, man, get after it. Work on it. Focus on it. Do everything you need to do so that we hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up. I think I might have gone under an hour today. That was the goal, folks. I'm not sure if I did or not. But in Matthew 9, verse 35, just stand up with me. It says, well, I'll just start in verse 35. Jesus went 
through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they, har- they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Are there people today that are out there, out there without a shepherd? Are there people today that are oppressed of the enemy? Yeah. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Are you guys going to be a worker in the kingdom of God, a worker in the harvest field? Yeah, let's be workers for the kingdom of God. Let's not be lazy folks that just wait and watch everybody else do something and get rewards. No, we're going to get our rewards. We're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.